Derek Hunter podcast for the third, fourth, fourth of January, twenty twenty-three. Weird, I got that right the first time out the box. Happy Wednesday to you, and welcome to the first year of the rest of your lives. I am Derek Hunter. I'm your host. You can email me DerekAllenHunter at gmail dot com or whatever. You can just uh, sign me up for spam. My my spam filter is pretty good. So knock yourself out. As long as you listen, I don't really care. We will get back to the contests uh, this start coming Monday for autographed books and whatnot at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast, where all your fine podcasts can be uh, curated and uh, you can uh, support the program, get the bonus content, extra shows, and enter to win autographed books. Also at at uh, DerekHunter.Locals.com, spelled D-E-R-E-K in both cases, because that's the way it's supposed to be. All right. Uh, all right, yeah, it's going to be bad. I'm just shaking off the cobwebs. Shouldn't probably get this hammered. No, just kidding. Actually, I, I lamest New Year's Eve ever. Went to bed before midnight. First time since I was a pre-puberty that I went to bed before midnight because... I was just tired. I tried to show the girls Star Wars and to fight to get them to pay attention. And then eh, right when the Millennium Falcon was approaching the uh, Death Star, I said, uh, to hell with it. We'll go watch it in bed. Let's go to bed. And I I felt I don't think anybody made midnight, to be honest with you. And who cares? We were all there the next day. That's all that matters. So hope your New Year's Eve was better than mine. My drink of choice that night was uh, iced tea. So, yeah, living the dream, living on the edge. All right, let's get on with the show. There's a lot going on, a bunch of things to talk about today. And I am sitting there. The big news, big news politically is Kevin McCarthy is going for the uh, speakership and the obstinate uh, almost dozen people are sitting there going, we're going to try and extract everything we can. But I got to talk about what happened with the football game last night because it was I, – I didn't watch it. I don't watch it. I don't – I rarely watch football. I watched a little bit of the Michigan game. That didn't work out very well. Michigan put a lot of points on the board, but uh, their defense decided not to show up, which I guess is nice. You know, you treat yourself to a nice pre-New Year's Eve day off. But um, I did. I wasn't watching Monday Night Football. But the guy out there, Dar- what's his name? Daryl Hamlin, Hamill. He, uh, Damar De- Hamlin, he's trending. Yeah, Damar Hamlin had cardiac arrest. Now, I only bring this up not because it's like the biggest story in the world. I bring this up because I want to quash. I just, I want to be on the record telling people to chill out to relax. There is plenty of evidence that myocarditis is caused in young men, in particular young healthy men, by the uh, vaccines and whatever. Okay, so you got that. And there are some people who either decide to jump on that because, oh, take advantage of it. 
for because they believe it or because they just don't care and they're pot stirrers. You have to remember what is a line from uh, one of the Batman movies with the Joker, the Dark Knight. Like some men just won't see the world burn or whatever it was that Alfred told to Bruce Wayne. In that respect, there is this contingent of human beings who just don't care. They don't wait for evidence. Left or right depends on the issue, which side of the political aisle it is. But they simply don't wait. If there's a shooting, oh, it's an evil white guy going to do this, a homophobe, it's a racist shooting, it's blah, 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 blah. And then it comes out, no, 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 sorry, it's a non-binary dude who has their own pronoun. Like, oh, then that story goes away. But this, the lie made its rounds, and there are people who believe it to this day. When it comes to Damar Hamlin, there are people out there who immediately said, oh, this is because of the vaccine. He went into cardiac arrest because of the vaccine. Is it possible he went into cardiac arrest because of the vaccine? Of course it is. We don't know anything right now. It's barely, it hasn't even been 24 hours. We don't know anything right now. But by saying we don't know anything right now is acknowledgement that those people who are screaming up and down and jumping up and down like a rabid monkey going, myocarditis for the, this is caused by the vaccine, C, 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 big pharma, big pharma, big pharma. Those people don't know anything right now either. And it's important to remember that those people don't know anything right now. It's important to remember that within the first few hours, first day oftentimes, of any story, nobody really knows anything right now. But that does not stop people from insisting that they know. And people from demanding that action be taken or that you, you know, subscribe to their newsletter, their podcast, their whatever their email is, give us money. It's there's always an angle. It's give attention, give money, and people monetize attention. It is but it's great. So I just want to play you some audio from this to just because when I saw it, I heard about it. I thought, oh, God, the guy died. The guy didn't die, thankfully. He's still alive. He's not in critical condition. It's not a good situation at 24 years old. Cardiac arrest under any circumstances is not a good situation. But there is this. It, it reminded me of something almost immediately. Almost immediately. It reminded me of, and I'll play you the clip from this, a guy named Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger used to play, he's a Hall of Famer in the uh, NHL, defenseman, St. Louis Blues. In, I believe it was 1998, Chris Pronger took a shot, a slap shot to his heart, stopped his heartbeat. So I'll, I'll play that in a second because if you, you actually if you see the video, it's in my Twitter feed. Um, it's very similar to what happened to Demar Hamilton. So let's first do the Demar Hamilton audio. This is last night from Monday Night Football. You can't really glean much from it, but it gives you a little bit of a sense of what's going on. Hmm. That's. Uh... Not what any of us want to see, and everybody's around him, and just hope that he's going to be okay. So we'll take another break here in Cincinnati. He gets a tackle. It didn't look like a particularly violent hit, honestly. It was just a tackle. 
shoulder to the chest, but that's what happens when somebody goes in for a tackle. You know, the running back sort of shoulders into the guy, try and get another yard or two out of it, maybe even break the tackle. Who knows? Hamill goes down with the tackle, gets up, takes a step backwards a little bit, and then just collapses down, gone. His heart had stopped. <clears throat> cardiac, full cardiac arrest. They were able to perform CPR on him for several minutes out in on the field. Uh, the, the game was suspended. I don't know that a game has ever been. Somebody actually died, I think, in a football game back in the 60s. Uh, my dad once told me about that. I can't remember. I'll look that up. But uh, this is the first time I can think of that a game was suspended in the middle of it because of something. And somebody didn't die, thankfully. And there's controversy around that. People say, well, these are professionals. They should be able to play, blah, blah, blah. They say, it's just a game. Get over it, okay? Especially if this game doesn't – if it matters, they can pick it up where they left off. But if it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And why go on when you see your friend, your teammate, and people realize, well, there's only one team. Yeah, these guys went to college together. They played against each other in college. They have been on each other's radar and in each other's orbit since, you know, 18 years old at least. They might not have been teammates, but they know each other. It's a small, small world of people who play professional sports. So they they know him. They mentor. They, they hang out in the same places. There are places. They have parties. Look, NFL players do go out. They do hit the clubs and what have you. But they can't. they can't go to the clubs with the anonymity you or I can go to the clubs with because they're rich. They're young. They're famous. So while that's a lot of fun, it's also this is a kind of a pain in the butt sometimes. So you hang out. You have parties. You go to places that you or I couldn't afford to go to because they can afford to go to it. So they know each other. It's being a 25-year or 24-year-old collapse seemingly dead on the field. Got to be disturbing. Nobody wants to go, all right, well, let's uh, suck it up, buttercup. Let's get back out there. No. So spare me all these people whining and complaining about, well, they should have gone out there and got the game or trying to compare it to other things. All right. Other things are other things. Each individual event is each individual event. You can't say, well, these, I don't care because of X, Y, or Z. Okay. Well, you don't care because of X, Y, or Z. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, to 1998. Let's get in there. I think it was 1998. Chris Pronger is blocking. Yes, May 11th, 1998. Chris Pronger of the St. Louis Blues is blocking a slap shot from the Detroit Red Wings defense. I forget who it was who shoots the puck. It goes right into his heart, directly into his heart. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you've ever seen hockey pads, you'd go, people lay down in front of pucks with that stuff on. It is not. It's same with football pads. The whole midsection is wide open in football. Some guys got some like kidney pads or whatever, lower back things. But most of them got nothing. They got nothing except, you know, beer bellies hanging out at their linemen. Hockey's the same thing. They've got little chest protectors that, you know, honestly, these guys are very superstitious in hockey. And they tend to keep their equipment far longer than they should. That means that they're wearing stuff from juniors and before that is too small for them, but it's what they've always worn. So it barely covers their chest. It doesn't cover the heart. And even if it did, there's not much to it. A, a tiny, thin piece of plastic with a, a little bit of nylon stitching with a maybe a, a eighth of an inch of padding sewn in between the two. That's literally all that's there, and it barely covers the heart if it does at all. 
So Chris Pronger takes the slap shot. He goes down because he just got hit in the chest with a, a slap shot. And he gets back up. There's a whistle. He gets back up, skates, I don't know, stride and a half, and then crumbles like a house of cards. They show his eyes. His eyes are, I don't know, dilated, crazy eyes. I don't know. They're not there. They're not their eyes. It's the same sort of thing that looks like what happened in Monday Night Football when DeMar Hamilton took a shoulder to the chest. So just as a reminder, I don't know that I'm right, but I know that nobody knows that they're right, except for maybe his doctors at this point. So just to give you some perspective and remind you of what can happen, listen to this from 1998. Work done back to the point. Larianov up with it there. Larianov hands it across. Big drive! And that one blocked and into the equipment of Jeff Portnall. And another penalty coming up. And Detroit's going to have a two-man advantage for 10 seconds. You know, could be hurting here, guys. He took the slap shot into the chest. This isn't funny. There's a problem here. He took the slap shot into the chest. The trainer's out there quickly, and you can see with that slap shot into his ribs and chest, he's having some problems. With, and here comes John Wharton from the Detroit bench. It's very serious. If you want to see what that looked like, you can go to uh, my Twitter feed and see it. It's, it's up there. It was, I, I, rem- I was watching that game. They took him off on a, a cart. His heart had stopped. He was in cardiac arrest. They were able to get his heart started. They were able to save his life. He was able to, he didn't return to the game, but he was able to play again after some time off. It was a serious, serious thing. And it was a fluke of the impact on his heart happening at a certain point in the cycle of his heartbeat. Now, that may sound like BS to you, and I I understand it. I'm not a doctor. It seems weird to me, too. But I have audio of a doctor who says that very same thing. So now this uh, doctor. The uh, situation with the cardiac arrest. This is Dr. Brian Sutter. Brian Sutter is a uh, sports medicine doctor and he releases a bunch of videos on youtube that explains various things so he's not you can take it for what it's worth i'm not saying he's the end-all be-all he's not the latest greatest he's not oh my god his word is bond or anything like that i'm just giving you a perspective that falls in line with my memory of what had happened with chris pronger that if your heart takes a serious blow directly at a very specific time in your electrical rhythms of your heart, it can trigger cardiac arrest. doesn't matter how healthy you are, how in shape you are, how out of shape you are, what you're doing, what have you. It is a very, very rare occurrence. Somewhere I saw earlier today that it was ha- seems to have happened about 200 times in the past 20 years that they can document. It's a very rare occurrence because it does have to be at that time, but it does happen at that time. So, like I say, don't take my word for it. This guy is a medical professional. You can take his word for it or you cannot take his word for it. All I'm doing is giving you information. What we just witnessed tonight is one of the most rare things we can see in sports medicine. As DeMar Hamlin went down with what appeared to be cardiac arrest, 
after taking this hit on the field. Welcome back everybody, I'm Dr. Brian Suter and on this channel I try to teach you about the sports medicine world and give you some insight into what we see on the field. What we saw happen tonight is not related to any sort of vaccines. This is almost certainly something called commotio cordis, an extremely, extremely rare condition that's one of those things that we typically only think we're going to read about in textbooks. Essentially what can happen is if you have a blunt trauma to the chest that occurs at exactly the right time in the cardiac electrical cycle, your heart can be sent into cardiac arrest. As Hamlin comes in here, we can see this square hit to the front of his chest. We see him get back up momentarily before ultimately collapsing back down to the ground and requiring CPR on the field. Yeah, that's exactly what seems to have happened, in my opinion. My opinion, take it for what it's worth. But you can, you're going to hear a lot of people with different opinions. The loudest will be the people who are saying this is because he was vaccinated. I don't know if he was vaccinated or not. I suspect that those same people who are insisting it was because he was vaccinated don't know whether or not he was vaccinated. But it doesn't matter. There are some people out there who, and you can think what you want of them. I don't, you can choose your own trusted sources, but like Alex Berenson. At the beginning of COVID, I found Alex Berenson to be a very helpful source of information, right? Very helpful source of, and, it, and it, not necessarily Bibles full of truth. I don't know what's true or what's not, but when you're looking for trying to figure things out, you you want somebody you either can, you, you find the contrary opinion, you find the contrary thoughts, and then you immerse yourself in both the conventional wisdom and the contrary thoughts. And you can draw your own conclusions from that. You can decide which on which side you think the truth falls. That's the best way for individuals to come up with their own conclusions. It's not always foolproof. Some people will choose wrongly, whatever. But more information is always better than less information. And contradictory information and conflicting information is good because it then gives you the opportunity to draw your own conclusions and maybe do some more research to try and become better educated on an issue, on a topic. But Alex Berenson has fallen into this trap, I think. He's sort of gotten a, a bit of celebrity. He's been on uh, Fox. He hasn't been on Fox a lot in a while, but he was on Fox a lot at the beginning in the middle of the pandemic. And he was up there as a skeptic of whatever it was the conventional wisdom was. Well, sometimes conventional wisdom is wrong and sometimes conventional wisdom is right. Berenson has now taken to taking anybody who's young-ish who dies unexpectedly and tweeting out that they were vaccinated. There's an ABC producer, 38 years old, in very good shape. They'd, somehow somebody found pictures of him on vacation and some tropical island with his shirt on. Look at this guy. He's ripped. He's in good shape. And he died of a heart attack at 38 years old. That's impossible. They don't say it. They imply it. They imply it with a wink and a nod and saying, oh, you know, probably because of the vaccine, myocarditis, myocarditis. Well, I hate to break it to you because everybody wants to think that, especially when you're young, you are 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You are invincible. You are not invincible at any age, as much as we'd like to think it. Your odds of uh, being near invincible are certainly significantly higher the younger you are and the better shape you're in. But that is not an indication of anything else. It's odds in your in your favor when you're younger. 
You could be wildly out of shape and you still have a much higher survivability rate for any given calendar year than your average 95-year-old just because of the way our human body works. It runs and it runs out. That's the one guarantee in life is everybody's body will run out. When we don't know, and that's why you should try to live your life to the fullest and don't take anything for granted. There you go. There's my... uh, my speechifying about uh, motivational speaking and whatever. That's just the way the world works. So there are some people who die. They're like That's a kid I grew up with who had a stroke when he was, I don't know, maybe 10. He was a little bit older than me. He was probably 10 or 12, and I was probably two, three years younger than that. But he had a massive stroke. He, the left side of his, right side of his body, I can't remember which, never fully recovered. Now, the other side of his body... He worked out. Now, up until I don't know, 18, he was around. He used to ride a bike. He'd mostly kick it. He'd have to wear a helmet on the bike. He'd kick his bike with one, his one good foot. The other side looked like it had atrophied, and his one side that was good was, like, ripped. But he would play baseball with us. He'd swing a bat with one hand. He could hit the ball pretty good. We had a mean nickname for him because it was a different time. I'm not going to repeat it here, but it wasn't that mean. But he made the best of that situation. Now, there's no world, there's no fairness that somebody at, you know, preteen years should have a stroke and be debilitated for the rest of their lives. Not at all, under any circumstances whatsoever, but it happened. My best friend's kid, six years old. Had a massive stroke last year because he is born with a heart defect and a, I don't, some sort of growth or whatever, some sort of infection formed around the heart valve that they had replaced, that they had to have replaced when he was born. And that broke off and went into his brain and, and caused a massive stroke. He's doing very, very well, by the way. But... Is that fair? No, it's not fair. Is that normal? No. Could you find all sorts of other things if you were a conspiracy theorist and decided to ignore the realities of the situation or the total picture? Could you find ways to make that about other things? Of course you could. I don't care how you do it or what you do with it. This information. This is information. You do with it what you will. All I'm doing is giving you information. I don't know why it was that DeMar Hamill had cardiac arrest, had a heart attack on the field, neither does anybody else. But the people who insist the loudest that they do are the people seemingly who are pushing the, pushing something. Let's just put it that way. They're pushing something. Why is up to them? I don't know how you end up doing it, how you end up living with yourself, jumping on it. But it's the same thing we saw with the Colorado Springs shooting with that guy, uh, Ben Collins, at MSNBC and NBC News going, this is because of conservatives talking about drag queen story hours. This was the one place, the one place where the LGBTQRSTUV WXYZ community could feel safe. It could ever be safe. And then some nut job went in there and shot it up because Ron DeSantis tweeted something or passed a bill or whatever. And then the next day you find out it was all BS. And Oh, uh, never mind. Ben Collins has never corrected the record. 
His job is to corrupt the record. Why the hell would he correct it? He'd probably get fired for correcting the record. It was like his his Oscar. You, when you uh, want to win a, an Oscar or an Emmy, you submit a clip. You don't give him the whole movie, although most people will have seen the whole movie. You submit, like, this is the best. This is the scene where Meryl Streep really nails it. She's crying about the dingo taking her baby. Let's look at this scene. And you, you submit that. It's your money clip. Well, that was Ben Collins' money clip, except it was a lie. So he probably was dusting off a space on his shelf for a Pulitzer. And uh, reality intervened. But don't worry, his bosses didn't. He was not disciplined in any way, shape, or form for lying and grandstanding on national television. Because <laughs> journalism or something like that. God help us all. Just everybody needs to calm down. But there's no ratings in calming down. There's no money in calming down. There's no glory in critical thinking. There is a lot of it. You know, this goes back to what I wrote in my book. It's about getting attention now. This country started to really go to hell once they obliterated the line between famous and infamous. And it just became about getting attention. Give me attention. Why? Well, because I want it. I'm. Did you do something that warrants it, that should be celebrated? No. I've set myself on I go around filming myself shooting people with paintballs. And that's, uh, that's enough to get attention. Bum fights. Great. You get attention. Is that good? Is that a good thing? Anybody Would anybody say that's a good thing? It's just, it's a messed up society and we're doing it to ourselves. This is what I mean when I say that our enemies don't have to try to destroy us. All they have to do is wait. We'll do it on our own from within. All right, we've got to uh, turn our attention to the unfolding drama up on Capitol Hill. It is, if you if you felt as though your liberty is threatened, it's only because Congress is back in session. And it was funny. Somebody, the Republican National Committee or whatever, RNC Research on Twitter, they're tweeting out about how Joe Biden has spent uh, one quarter or 40, I think it was 40 percent of his presidency on vacation. As if that's a bad thing. Get him out of town. I don't want him anywhere near the White House. I don't want him anywhere near the levers of power. I don't want him doing anything. The fewer days in the course of a year that he has to do anything, the better off we are as a country. And I'm hoping that the next year and a half before we really get into the campaign is spent with him doing enough knitting for all I can take up knitting and twiddling his thumbs. Who cares? To say the president's on vacation. Yes, the president has uh, spent a lot of time in Delaware. We know why. If you Again, this goes back to why and how Republicans are just god-awful at messaging. They're just terrible at messaging. You almost feel bad for them. They're so bad at messaging. The point isn't, well, Joe Biden's out screwing around and playing on the beach and going down to the Caribbean for a vacation. The message is Joe Biden is going to Delaware where he refuses and his administration refused to announce who he's meeting with. That's the story. Not that he's spending his time in Delaware. It's like he, Maybe he's going to Delaware every three days. Because the people who feed the Biden family money are out there, you know, meeting up with the president, telling him what for, giving him whatever. Who knows who he's meeting with? They won't tell. 
See, if somebody comes to the White House, there's a visitor's log. Now you can lie and you can game the system and say, well, all the visitor log tells you is whether or not they made it into the White House. They're in, there's a lot of people that work in the White House might not be meeting with the president. Okay, fine, yeah. That's a game. The Obama administration played the game, too. Their game was, oh, uh, Jeremiah Wright came. It's a different Jeremiah Wright. Oh, Al Sharpton was uh, that, but that's a different Al Sharpton. No doubt there are other Jeremiah Wrights and other Al Sharptons. How many of them are visiting the White House? Just a question. I think a legit question. I don't know. Maybe they are other Jeremiah Wrights. Maybe they are other Al Sharpton. Maybe they are other horrible, horrible human beings that were in and out of the Obama White House with regularity. It's quite possible. All I know is they were never really pressed on the issue. They were never particularly asked about it. Hey, uh, why is this Jeremiah? Who's the other Jeremiah Wright? Oh, for matters of privacy, we don't want to. Well, privacy for what? He's meeting with the president or he's meeting with somebody in the in the White House. That's nobody's like uh, going to visit their friend at the White House regularly. <laughs> hey, you're there. I'll just swing by. How about I just swing by your office? Yeah, that's fine. That doesn't happen. So there's something going on there, but when you have a compliant press, they don't press. Just like they do ask occasionally, they go, well, what's, uh, who's, who's Joe Biden meeting with when he goes out to Delaware? Well, it's private. Is he meeting with doctors who are giving him experimental drugs in order to fend off his dementia? We don't know. Is he meeting with lobbyists? Could be. Again, back to the Obama-Biden administration, they famously bragged about how they do not take meetings with lobbyists. Look at our schedules. Look at our count. We don't have any lobbyists coming up and meeting us here. That's because we're as pure as the wind-driven snow. Well, first of all, the hive mind doesn't really need to be lobbied. But for purposes of collecting a ton of money, the Obama administration officials would use their personal email addresses, not their government-issued ones. See, see where, gee, where did Hillary Clinton get that idea? Right there. They used their personal email addresses to set up meetings with lobbyists. Now, again, that wasn't inside the White House, because if you go into the White House, you have to sign into the visitor's log. It was somebody sending an email to somebody's Gmail or Hotmail and saying, hey, why don't we meet at the McDonald's around the corner from the White House or the uh, the Starbucks? Took me a second to remember what the name of the coffee. It's how little coffee, how little I know about coffee. Now, how about the Starbucks just over there on Pennsylvania Avenue? And that's in fact what they did. They were doing exactly what they said they would never do. They were just doing it in a way that very few people had any record of it or any way of seeing it. And the media was compliant and went along with it. So sitting there and whining and complaining that Joe Biden isn't in town misses the point, Republicans. Make hay about what he's doing while he's not in town. And it's not walking down the beach wearing a mask with his wife, as stupid as that is. Mock him for that. But it is who is the president of the United States meeting with? Who is the crack addict son of the president of the United States bringing in to meet with him? How about that? That's a pretty legitimate question. Is it happening at all? Do we know? No, we don't. Now, it's weird because when the press was going after George W. Bush, we saw I mean, they, they set up camp outside the driveway. They set up camp outside of the only way to get to George W. Bush's uh, 
property, to his ranch down there in Crawford, Texas. And what did they do? We saw so-and-so driving up there today. We saw so-and-so driving up there. They saw these people. It's a choke point. There's only one way in and out. It's the same thing with unless people are being helicoptered in or brought in by submarine or some sort of amphibious car, there's really only one way to get to Joe Biden's house in Rehoboth Beach. Why don't we know who's going in there? You could run license plates. You could take pictures of people. You could do all sorts of things to find out. The only reason you don't is because you don't want to know. You don't want to know. And they don't want to know. So while the RNC grouses and gripes about why it is we don't have this, that, and the other thing, and oh my goodness, he's been on vacation. No, good. Get him out of the White House. Stop him from doing the job of presidenting. I hope the next two years are him sitting there signing nothing, doing nothing, because Congress can't get him anything, because Republicans are stopping bad things from happening. That would be nice. Sadly, I don't know how that's going to work out because Republicans will not be able to message we're, not, we're trying to do things, good things, and Democrats are blocking us because that'll be the Democrats' message and Republicans will get all defensive and go, well, well, they passed climate change legislation in the Senate. We, we need to pass our own version of climate change legislation and that'll solve the problem. That'll be good. People will like us if we do what? No. People vote for you because they don't want to vote for Democrats. If you're going to give them half of what Democrats want, why the hell not vote for the real thing? Go for the whole shebang. So that brings us to the House of Representatives and who will be the Speaker of the House when all of this ends. It will probably be Kevin McCarthy. They will, uh, there's a cabal, I don't know, it's it's ongoing. There's a cabal of enough people and it only takes, uh, what is the Republican majority, like five seats, four seats? It only takes that many to go, I'm not voting for this one because you have to have a majority. You have to have a majority of the House of Representatives, which is 218. I think Republicans have 222. So you get you get five, you're out. There's five, or well, you're not out. You just you can't get anything done. The people who get five, the person who gets five isn't doesn't win because you only got 217. But they uh, they are trying to extract concessions from Kevin McCarthy. Some people are just like, I'll never vote for Kevin McCarthy under any circumstances. I hope he I hope he just uh, quits. I hope he gets fired. I hope he dies in a fiery plane crash. There's just some people like that you're never going to please. There are other people who are looking at it going, you know what, I want I want special consideration. I want special power. I want this. Some of their concerns are not all that unreasonable. They want the committees to be able to elect their chairman of the committees, you know, committee members. What's wrong with that? It used to be that way. I don't disagree with a lot of their goals. They also, <coughs> excuse me, want the right to be able to, it's called vacate the chair. A vote to vacate the chair. A majority of the House can decide that the Speaker is tossed out on their butt. It was a rule up and, and it's never, it hasn't been invoked in a long time. But it was a rule. It was there. It kind of kept the speaker semi in line, but Nancy Pelosi got rid of it because she knew that her caucus was nuts and they might turn against her. It's not worth going to war over on either side of it, but that's one of the demands that they have. 
They also want to be able to issue amendments on the floor and every. There are going to be compromises made. Whether or not there's going to be enough compromises made where the people who are taking the ball and going home and saying, I'll never, ever vote for that guy, to hell with him. Whether or not they can make a difference, we don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but I think this sets up a horrible situation for 2023. Because if you notice, this is a good thing about Republicans, that we are not a hive mind. We are not a collective. We do not look at things and go, well, tell us what to do, old master, and we shall obey. But we do spend an awful lot of time firing down our own trench. Conservatives, Republicans do spend an awful lot of time firing down their own trench. Democrats don't really do that. Occasionally there might be a a snippy tweet from a member of the goon squad going, "Eh, blah, 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 whatever. I don't care for this thing. It doesn't matter. The Democrats had enough of a majority that they didn't have to most of the time care about the the occasional stray. And ultimately, when the uh, the leftist did stray, the odd leftist did stray, the rest of them came back home and, and they didn't need them anyway. With Republicans, I get it. It's on principle. But what good is your principle? You can have, like I always say, I got to hate, this is like the day of quoting myself. Maybe it's because I've been off for so long. The only thing the high road gives you is a really nice view of your defeat in politics. That's it. It's just that simple. You, when they go low, we go high. Democrats said that. Oh, we go, they go low, we go high. And they love it. Oh, my God, they still use it in fundraising things. Oh, we're, we're so morally superior to those Republicans because when they go low, we go high. Meanwhile, they are the biggest frauds. They are the most corrupt human beings. They're the most despicable people. Joe Biden, I'm trying to bring the country together with those Nazi pieces of garbage who need to be destroyed and they're horrible, terrible people and blah, 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 blah. Like, well, who wouldn't want to unite around that? See, there's a massive difference between what they do and what they say. Always. Now, the leftists can get away with that. Nobody else can get away with this. I can get uh, the the left can get away with it. Conservatives cannot get away with that because their hypocrisy, our hypocrisy is damaging. It's the premise of the great uh, Peter Schweitzer book, do as I say, not as I do profiles in liberal hypocrisy, where them being hypocrites means you're rich. The Kennedy family, we support the death tax. It's only fair. We need to raise taxes. Rich people need to pay their fair share. Really, they've. They've paid next to nothing in the inheritance tax. All of the Kennedy clan money is in offshore and tax-free trusts and all this. That, it's all protected. There's, there's no getting at that money. But they want to get at your money. They want to get at the farmer's money. Oh, you're, you're worth $10 million. Yeah, but I got the $35,000 a year in income because my net worth is in land and in cattle and in property and equipment and everything. It doesn't matter. Somebody died. You got to pay the piper. It's only fair that why should your family be able to inherit all this wonderful wealth? Okay. How much has the Kennedy clan paid? I think it was like, now the book's a few years old, but I think it was like $50,000 in inheritance taxes. Over the course, uh, going dating back to, to Joe, back when he was bootlegging and whoring out in Hollywood days. They profit from their hypocrisy. Now, if a conservative is a hypocrite, they're ruined. 
because they they don't they uh they preach hey be moral be right be righteous and then if you find out that they're screwing around on their spouse then it, they should be in trouble but there's no reciprocal damage done to leftists they rail against wealth and they're rich and they get richer nancy pelosi net worth doubled in the last 10 years while studiously campaigning for the poor did your net worth double in the last 10 years i somehow doubt that your net worth double this goes back to my idea i had last year which i think is a good one still that uh, we allow Congress to insider trade as much as they want. They just have to give us like four hours notice for every stock trade that they do. And then we create mutual funds based off of the moves that members of Congress make. If they're going to get rich, fine. Let us get rich at the same time. It's only fair. Anyway, I don't know what's going to happen with Kevin McCarthy. It's... uh, Ultimately, I suspect he will be elected Speaker of the House. He should be. There's nobody else who's going to, maybe Steve Scalise, but there's nobody else who's going to get that many votes. And frankly, there's nobody else who wants to take the headache of dealing with these narcissistic, <laughs> I almost swore, these narcissistic, you know what, uh, rectums, uh, food, post-digested food exit ports out there and uh, have to try and wrangle them. It's hard enough when, you know, you've got fewer of them. Now you got more of them and they feel empowered and they're sitting there threatening. Look, I'll agree with most of what Chip Roy says and stands for, Republican from Texas. But when he's out there saying any Republican who voted for this bill will oppose everything you support, no matter what, will block it. You have to sit there and you go, well, what if what if it's good? What are you just going to? Just going to block it out of spite? You've got to be careful with your ultimatums. I only miss you an ultimatum if you're actually willing to shoot the hostage. Otherwise, you end up looking like an idiot. Since we're talking about the House of Representatives, we've got to talk. This came out, it came out about two weeks ago. I was off. Or maybe it had just started rumbling before I'd gone off. But a guy out of New York named George Santos, congressman elect. He's a. I don't know, he's a pudgy-looking, baby-faced white guy from upstate New York. And he uh, he won. Whatever you say about him, he won. And you, you sit there, and I, I, I fully agree. You look at good 70% of the House of Representatives just as a photograph, just as a picture, just as a stereotype. You look at him and you go, who the hell would vote for these people? They're weird. They, you look at some people and you just think they're weird. That's a weird guy. Something off about that person. Creepy. Or, you know, you you look at Maxine Waters over the course of a 40-year career and you go, who the hell votes for this idiot? There's really, I don't think anybody in the House of Representatives where you look at it and you go, who voted for these morons? Well, this guy's brand new. And the old morons who never should have been voted for are now outraged over this new moron who never should have been voted for. George Santos has been a bit of a fabulist. He has made up a uh, a whole series of lies. It's hard to even keep track of how many lies he's told. There's no speculation. Apparently he's a, a gay Republican, but now there's something on the Drudge Report this morning. Is he really even gay? Like I don't know. Did, does he have to be gay? 
did we if he lied and said he was gay and he wasn't gay is there is there a huge constituency out there in upstate new york go i'd never vote for a republican unless they're gay would that have been the difference maker i don't know i don't care unless he was elected to be gay I don't think it matters whether or not he's gay. Isn't that what we've been? Well, now it all matters. Everything matters. What you look like, your skin color, who you sleep with. That's all that matters. The things that actually matter no longer matter anymore. I would say character. But in this case, this guy's probably got a pretty horrible character, too, because he has said that things like his grandparents survived the Holocaust. And so you, you sit there and it's just like, OK, that's that's gross. I mean, I, there's no other word for it. It's gross that anybody would do that. But you also have to ask yourself, how in the hell was this not discovered until now, right? How did they, what did the the Democratic Party in the state of New York do when you're looking at this guy? They do no opposition research whatsoever. They do nothing. I don't think they did. They don't really want to pursue. They're trying now to say, because look, if he goes down, if he gets booted or for the house refuses to seat him and they could technically then the total number of republicans in the house of representatives would be like 221 it'd be a three-seat majority which kevin mccarthy would be a damn fool not to seat this guy but it comes back to what i always say republicans are horrible at messaging even when the message is bad and you have to try and polish a turd there is a message to be made here George Santos, bad guy. The voters of his district are going to have to reconcile with it. There's no mechanism to recall a member of the House or the Senate. Federal elections, there's no recall. So there's you've got to deal with them for two years. They, they voted for him. This is what you vote for. Maybe do better next time. And Republicans need to put up somebody who can win. Look, Madison Cawthorn was kind of an embarrassment. Let's just be honest. Congressman out of uh, South Carolina. Uh, he said stupid things. He did stupid things. There were just all sorts of embarrassing things that came out about him. And he lost again in the primary when he decided to run for re-election. That's just the way you do it. He was a member of Congress until today. He lost. That's how you deal with it. You don't sit there and say, well, this person's such an embarrassment. He didn't commit a crime. He's a jackass. That's not a crime. If being a jackass were a crime, who among us would not be in jail or at least not have a long record? Maybe not currently in prison. The sentence for being a jackass could be very short, but we'd all have a record because we've all had our moments. This guy had a lot of moments and this guy had a lot of public moments. But still, the Democrats should have done their research. His Republican opponents should have done their research. Somebody should have done their research. Don't expect Republicans to come out there and say, all right, we're going to cut our own Achilles tendon. Let's do that. Let's do that'll be real smart to do. No, that would be wildly stupid to do. So when the Republicans are on the defensive about this guy, there's a real easy way to say, hey, um, you want to play this game that lying about your biography is disqualifying for office, let's play this game. Let's talk about Joe Biden's past. Now, it won't end the issue, but it would at least give Republicans a chance to, I don't know, show that they have some content in the front of their underpants rather than just the 
post-digested food in the back of it all the time, playing defense and being scared to death. It would allow them to turn the tables, to draw attention to some things that Democrats definitely do not want attention drawn to, like the fact that Joe Biden's entire life is an episode of Ripley's Believe It or Not that you should not believe. He paints himself as Forrest Gump. Oh, he was right there in the mix of it and every single thing that happened throughout his lifetime and throughout his legislative career. He was right there. And in reality, he wasn't even in town that month. I got arrested during the civil rights movement. Really? We've got you on tape. First of all, there's no record of your arrest. Secondly, we've got you on tape admitting that you did not march in the civil rights movement. You weren't really interested in it. At the time, the closest you came was uh, working at a segregated pool and almost rumbling with corn pop. And you probably worked at the segregated pool so you could make sure that black people stayed where you were comfortable with them being. Joe, that would just be my guess. Given your record that when you went to the United States Senate, you befriended segregationists. You were not out there befriending all of the people who really fought for civil rights. There were some... Real civil rights champions in the United States Senate when Joe Biden came to office. He has mentioned a close relationship with none of them. Now, that may change. <laughs> he could always change. He, was a, he has a way of rewriting his own history. He was a truck driver. Remember that? I drove a truck. Never did. He was uh, hired at, I think it was a coal mine. It was his first job out of co- the college. They tried to hire him. But it never, never happened. The company still exists. They said, no, we never Never even heard of the guy. Why the hell would we have heard about some D-bag from Delaware? We're out in, like, Idaho. We don't know who this guy is. He got arrested trying to go see Nelson Mandela on Robben Island, which he calls Robbins Island because everybody who's totally for serious about visiting Mandela on Robben Island pluralizes it and uses the wrong name for it. He was not arrested trying to enter South Africa to visit Nelson Mandela on Robben Island. He never actually mentioned why it was that he was flying into Johannesburg, I think it was, which is like a thousand miles away from Robben Island, rather than going to right where Robben Island is. Seems like an important detail. What's most amazing to me is not that George Santos is catching hell. George Santos deserves to catch hell. Joe Biden deserves to catch hell, too. What George Santos lied about is disturbing and disgusting. And you really have to have deep-rooted character flaws to try to pull it off. You really would. But it's no different than what Joe Biden has done throughout the entirety of his career. I was a, I worked at the, I was the number one in my, I was at the top of my law school. I was at the bottom. I didn't want to do it. But then I went back and decided I wanted to be a lawyer. And I graduated at the top. I graduated with three degrees. I got a full academic scholarship. The only student. No, none of that was true. All of it was insisted. None of it was true. So if you want to go after George Santos, absolutely. Let's go after all of it. But George Santos's defense should be, quite simply, I am emulating the president of the United States. In the spirit of bipartisanship, I am trying to emulate the president of the United States because I care or something like that. Wouldn't that be interesting? What kind of coverage do you think that would get? It would get no kind of coverage. Most of what goes on in the world doesn't really get any kind of coverage. 
anything that matters, anything that's sane, anything that's hypocrite, and anything that looks bad for Democrats. Anything that looks bad for Democrats. I'm sitting here looking at the news today. I saw this story, and I, I just, I can't believe this. Arizona, this is from Axios. The Arizona Court of Appeals issued a ruling Friday saying that abortion doctors can't be prosecuted under an 1864 law that criminalizes nearly all abortions. But the court declined to repeal the pre-statehood law, which had been barred from being enforced for nearly 50 years. Now, it doesn't matter where you fall on abortion. This is this is how the democratic mind works. Okay, yeah, 1864, before Arizona was a state. It's a law. I don't know if it's on the books or not. The issue here isn't that the legislature in other states, and this will soon spread to other states, they will be forcing laws not to be enforced. The point is, if it's the law, it's the law. It wasn't enforced for 50 years, which Axios doesn't go into, but it is implicit that if it wasn't enforced for 50 years, meaning during the existence of and the precedent of Roe v. Wade, it means that it was enforced before that, which to my mind means that it is a legitimate law on the books. Could be wrong. I'm not a lawyer. But if it's a legitimate law on the books passed by a legislative body, no matter how long ago it was, and enforced by the executive for however long it was, it's a legitimate law once again. You don't have to like it. You can repeal it. But what do we see constantly? We see prosecutors who go, I don't like this law. I'm not going to enforce it. I refuse to enforce it. That's not the job of a prosecutor. And deciding that a law duly passed can't be enforced is not the job of judges, not the job of an appeals court. That is a political decision. When I, during Over Christmas, I found this interesting, and I'm going to probably write about it this weekend for my Sunday column. The uh, day after Christmas, we went to Detroit to, for just uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And uh, it was just a quick trip to see everybody. My dad was downstate and blah, blah, blah. It was fun. It was a good trip. While there, we're watching TV, as you would anywhere. And like out here in Maryland, every third commercial is, hey, download this app and bet your mortgage on this. And you can bet this and that. And, the and no consequences. You can be Okay, fine. If you want to gamble, knock yourself out. I don't care. Michigan has had the sports book thing for a long time. Now Michigan has casinos on your phone. We don't have that here yet, where you can download the MGM app and you can play slots and you can play blackjack and you can play anything you pretty much want to play in a casino. You can play on your phone. Uh, it's up to you how much you, it's heavily regulated, I'd imagine, but I wouldn't necessarily trust something I can't see, something I'm just watching digitally. I, I think that you can easily cook that books, cook those books, but so many ads were doing this, that, and the other thing. Doing, and I kept on asking everybody I saw, like, who, who's benefiting from this? And it's the answer is always the same. It doesn't matter whether you're in Michigan, you're in Maryland, or anywhere in between. This, under the guise of for the children, Maryland got the casinos, three casinos here. Well, the money, the money will go to the children, to the education. Okay, great. Now the sports book. The money will go to the children. And it'll be benefiting the school. Now, 
it's getting to the point that we'd just be better off cutting a check to the kids, right? Because the education system hasn't gotten any better. The education system's gotten worse, particularly in places where it needs to get better. The education system has gotten worse. There are schools in Baltimore where they got like what five kids that can read, <laughs> and they're they're constantly beat up and shoved in their lockers. So like not really a, a super great environment for them. But they're spending a ton of money and getting more money and more. Now, they, of course, they divert other monies. They say, all this money from the casinos will go to the children. And then they say, but then we'll, we'll sort of poke a hole in the bottom of the barrel and we'll suck away some of the other money that we used to spend on kids. And we'll uh, spend it on our friends over here, there, and everywhere. Still, they're spending an ungodly amount of money in the name of the children that they're getting from various casinos. Okay, fine. What about the people that it's costing a fortune? Who's benefiting from this? If you look at the prosecutors in major Democrat-controlled cities, the George Soros-funded prosecutors, what are they saying? I'm not going to prosecute quality-of-life crimes. They're uh, victimless crimes, prostitution, not going to bother with that. Okay, great. Whose life is that making better? I guess theoretically it's making the prostitute's life a little bit better. If you could say that a prostitute's life is being made better, there's still a prostitute. I love how they try to call them sex workers now, as if that somehow makes it better. As somebody just consciously decides, you know what, I'm not going to take that scholarship to Harvard. I'm going to go and I'm not going to take that job in the factory, whatever. I'm going to have sex for a living and risk being beat up and getting all sorts of social diseases and everything. Oh, okay, that's it's a choice. I think most people make it because they're in a horrible circumstance, either addicted to substances or found themselves in abusive relationships they don't know how to get out of and they find themselves there. But that's beside the point. They're not going to prosecute them anymore. Who does that benefit? Does it benefit society? You can gamble now. You've got a whole casino on your phone. Okay, that's convenient. You don't have to, I guess your carbon footprint is reduced. You don't have to drive down to the casino. But who does that benefit? How does that benefit? Is society better off or worse off the easier it has become to engage in these vices? I don't know. Drug possession. Marijuana is going to be legal, is legal here. I don't know when the, the shops are going to start opening, but in Michigan, as soon as you cross the border from Ohio, you see billboard after billboard after billboard. Saying, Welcome, Ohioans. Come buy your weed here because it's free. Come on in. Let's do it. Whose life has that made better? I don't know. I don't know anybody whose life it's made better. But they all do it. The weed is, well, the money will go to the children. Because, you know, the money will go to the children. The prostitutes, well, we're not going to prosecute them. We'll save some money. We'll send it to the children. Whose life is being made better by any of this? I think the basic answer is nobody's. Maybe some politicians. I mean, if you're a politician who likes to do a lot of drugs and sleep with hookers, I suppose your life is, has improved quite a bit, especially when you're using taxpayer money to play your online casino. Since we're talking about the drugs and degenerates and things like that, what do you get when you get more drug use? You get more homeless people because homeless people, there's nobody homeless because they just, you know, couldn't make ends meet. If you're a decent human being and you can't make ends meet, and that happens, you have somebody in your life who will take you in. There's just always something. There's always an option for you. If you have mental problems, if you have substance abuse issues and what have you, it's a different world. You end up on the streets. And uh, as we find the left sort of insinuating the nobility of homelessness, 
we have this situation all across the country where tent cities have popped up. Now, I hadn't been in Bolt about a month ago, about three weeks ago. I drove through Baltimore for the first time in probably two years. And probably the last time for about five years I drive. I have no use. To, I have no reason to go there. No, there's nothing going on. But I drove through the city of Baltimore mostly because I was here and I was like, you know what? I want to see where I used to live, see how the neighborhood had changed. And it was depressing, to say the least, <laughs> to say the least. But it is nothing on Washington, D.C. No, I didn't go around to all the parks. But in Washington, D.C., you go past any park and there are a lot of them. They're tent cities. They're tent cities. And there's usually, if it's a bigger park, like a city block park, there's some sort of food truck set up there for the homeless people. And there's a medical truck set up there for the homeless people, which I assume the medical truck is a whole bunch of Narcan for somebody overdoses. They can run over there and dose them with Narcan and bring them back. And the food is for when they wake up. (laughs) <laughs> and are hungry, and they go, all right, here we go, we'll do this. Well, this story out of the Daily Mail, UK Daily Mail, telling telling that it has to be out of the UK, that these stories are coming out of the UK, is about a homeless woman. They they actually went and talked to a homeless woman in Portland. They write, a homeless woman in Port- on the streets of Portland bragged, Portland, Oregon, bragged about the perks of living on the streets, including the free meals and the ability to be high all day. Wendy drove into dove into the homeless crisis on in the city by explaining how the nearly open air drug policies are bringing more tents into the streets. Portland currently has more than 700 homeless encampments across the city within less than 150 square miles. That's not what 700 homeless people. That's 700 homeless encampments, meaning, you know, clusters of junkies seriously or seriously mentally ill. The ordeal has also led to a skyrocketing use of cocaine, heroin, LSD, and meth, which officials criminalized or decriminalized in 2020. Doesn't that sound lovely? You decriminalize something, you therefore encourage it, you end up getting more of it. It's, I don't know what kind of 12-year-old needs to be told this, but uh, Democrats apparently function at a level below that of your average 12-year-old. To which Dalgren, let's see, this is the, the woman, Dalgren. I think that's how you pronounce it, responded, quote, I appreciate the honesty. It doesn't feel like it's really helping anybody. It's not. uh, It's not. That's why you see all of the tents. People up here all night, all day sleeping, says Wendy, the homeless woman. I don't know how old Wendy is. She looks to be in her 60s, so she's probably late 30s because of all the drugs. Wendy is a hairdresser who's been living on the streets for months. She is formerly from Florida and became homeless when she divorced her husband. I don't think that's how it works, but you have to have other problems. There's literally nobody who would take Wendy in. She said someone had stole her dentures about six months ago. So there you go. And wasn't able to return to work. Quote, they do that here, Wendy said. I can't get new ones because I just got the first one paid for, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't go to work without teeth. How do you lose your dentures? What do you have to be doing to lose your dentures? How unconscious do you have to be? It's unclear from where Wendy gets her meals from every day, but there are several homeless organizations in Portland that serve the community. Some outreach services provide clothes and food, while others provide behavioral health services, transitional housing, and addiction help. 
I assume by addiction help is, I mean, they help you get the stuff you're addicted to. It is uh, later the reporter returned to Wendy's tent and they told her that her story inspired others to set up a fundraiser to buy her new dentures. <laughs> Quote, I used to be just like everyone else. I used to have a really good job. I had a salon in Washington State. I drove a Lexus and a house and I loved to do hair. No, I think that you found drugs and that's what you truly and honestly loved. Now, she goes on and brags about how she can be high all day and how she gets three hot meals a day. Three hot meals a day delivered to her tent. She doesn't even really have to leave her tent if she wants to get high all day. Now, this is all done in the name of compassion. Oh, let's be compassionate. Does it sound compassionate to you? Does this sound in any way compassionate to you? It sounds like, you know, keeping people in a zoo. Honestly, that's what it seems like. Oh, you've got to just sit there. You'll get your three hot cots and your meth delivered right to you. We won't arrest you for that. We won't do that. And it's one of those mentality things. Of, well, it's a victimless crime. It's like prostitution. It's like uh, smoking weed. It's like, well, let's make uh, heroin decriminalized. Let's do all of these things. It's a mess. It's a disgrace. And they're ruining people's lives all in the name of compassion. All in the name of compassion. You can see the real world results right here in Baltimore. This uh, story came out about a week and a half ago. Baltimore police. That was the, they're very excited because uh, 2021 was the first year, you know, 2022 was the first year that they saw an uptick in the number of arrests. And you're like, what? Well, no, because, look, granted, under the Tommy Carchetti, Martin O'Malley days, they were arresting 100,000 people a year. If you jaywalked, there was a good chance they arrested you because they just wanted to arrest everybody and everything. There's a way to do broken windows, and there's a way to be a complete idiot. O'Malley, of course, erred on the side of being an idiot. But back in 2010, for example, the city had about 42,000 arrests. Last year... The city had 12,394 arrests. Do you feel like the city has gotten better? Do you think just your news of Baltimore has gotten better? This is the same everywhere. It dropped precipitously, by the way, from the uh, the year 2013 when Freddie Gray died. That's when the decline happened. And every year since then, every year before that, too, but it dropped precipitously. The, the number of arrests in Baltimore have gone down. That is commonly referred to, and rightly so, as the Ferguson effect. Ferguson, Missouri, the people, the police there said, to hell with why the hell would I do my job if I'm going to get thrown under the bus if anything goes sideways? Darren Wilson, the police officer there, was absolutely 100% justified. The first shot that Michael Brown got was through his hand. There were powder burns on his hand because he was trying to grab the gun. He was that close to the police officer fighting for the gun. And then he was charging the police officer when he was fatally shot. He's a hero. Darren Wilson's life is ruined. Michael Brown is a martyr. People got filthy rich off of it. 
And the police said, to hell with it. We're not going to do our jobs because we're going to get screwed if we do. If something goes sideways, every time a police officer steps out of the car, there's at least five people there with a phone out filming what's going on. Let's see what's going on here. Let's, what are you doing, officer? What did he do? Why don't you let him go? Why are you being so mean? Why People aren't complying. People are now in certain jurisdictions, like in California, it's no longer a crime to resist arrest. It's just not. They're not going to prosecute resisting arrest. Why would they? Who is benefiting from this? Who? That's an important question to ask in every circumstance. Who is benefiting from this? How is society benefiting from this? The answer is almost uniformly going to be the society is not. No one is benefiting. Maybe some politician is benefiting from this, but society is not. And if society is not benefiting from it, then you have to ask yourself, is society being damaged by this? The prostitution increase or sex workers, the use of illegal drugs. You can't sit there and say, well, we need to decriminalize the use of drugs. There's far too many people in prison for the use of drugs and then talk about the scourge of drugs. All right. Is fentanyl a serious issue or is it not a serious issue? 100,000 people died last year because of fentanyl overdoses. Is that a problem or not? I don't think that a lot of our politicians, particularly with D's after their name, believe that is a problem of any sort whatsoever. That, well, whatever. What are you going to do? People die. You can't make utopia without breaking a few eggs. Am I losing sleep over it? No, not particularly. But I notice and recognize that Joe Biden's open border is leading to a flood of fentanyl coming in. And then you have to ask yourself, what would make these people care? When is it? Is it? Would Joe Biden give a damn about the open southern border and all the fentanyl coming across it if Hunter overdosed and died? Would he? If one of his grandchildren overdosed and died? I honestly can't say that I know for a fact that he would. Because a normal, decent human being would look at the situation of 100,000 people dying and just go, well... Just because I don't know them doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Joe Biden is seemingly fully aware of the 100,000 people who have died in the past year, and he's done exactly nothing about it. I believe he's mentioned fentanyl publicly once in all of calendar year 2020. Will 2023 be any different? Maybe. Maybe, as he recognizes that his legislative agenda is going to be stalled, he might start speaking out about the scourge of our time to pretend to care, if only to try to save his own butt in 2024. Who knows? But his silence over the past year speaks more than he ever possibly could over the next year. Tells you everything you need to know about all of these people. You sit there and just ask yourself that situation. Who, what, who benefits from this? How is this better? You can gamble on your phone. You can buy all the drugs you want. And you might get a slap on the wrist depending on the type of drug. State-sanctioned drug sales. And I'm no prude, but state-sanctioned drug sales. Ask yourself, who is benefiting from this? I don't honestly know. I mean, I guess the people who are politically connected who can get the weed licenses, they're benefiting from it. The people who just want to live their lives like normal human beings and decent human beings, they sure as hell aren't. Which is there more of? And which gives more money politically? 
All right, before we run out of time for today, I want to play you this thing since it is New Year's and everybody has their New Year's resolution, quit smoking. And it's, I, I never did the New Year's resolution to quit smoking. I never really did the – it was always let's lose weight. You put on weight and let's lose weight and that's what I'm doing now. And it, but the smoking thing was you just quit smoking, right? You just quit smoke. It was always I'd find a way not to quit smoking. Like, well, I just bought a pack, so I can't quit. Today. I'll quit when this pack is done. And then, like, well, Friday's right around the corner. I know I'm going to go out drinking and I'm going to want to smoke then. So maybe Saturday or Sunday else. And then, like, you come home from the bar on Saturday because you're like, Sunday, I'm going to be. And you got, like, three cigarettes left. And you're like, well, I'm probably going to be up eating this pizza for at least three cigarettes. I'll stop and buy a pack of cigarettes. And then I'll quit after that. But it is, you know, you get a discount. You get like two bucks off. You buy two packs of cigarettes. So I'll buy two packs. There's always an excuse to keep going. Now the left is trying to do the same thing with weight loss. Weight loss is fat phobic. Weight loss is uh, white supremacist. There's some author right now who wrote a piece in Time magazine where they – they Time Magazine put the headline on it that the the white supremacist roots of exercise or something like that, and she's been getting all sorts of threats. She's out there complaining about all the meanies who are saying mean things to her. You know, you shouldn't say mean things to her, but she really should take an issue with Time Magazine. She's got a book out, and one of the few things that allegedly she claims she casually mentions is that somehow she found that weight loss and, and going to the gym exercising as roots and trying to keep white women fertile or something like that. Uh, and time decided to focus on that. She wrote the piece. She didn't pick the headline, but she didn't call for Time Magazine to drop the headline, to change the headline. So, you know, look, it's clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. Well, Libs of TikTok found this video of this woman who is, she she, she looks like what you'd, you'd expect. You can find the video, I believe, on my uh, Twitter feed as well. Uh, she's overweight. She's got black and red hair. It's just kind of a messed up skunk thing. She looks like an overweight Joan Jett from her uh, the height of her powers, except Joan Jett was moderately attractive. If this woman lost the weight, she would not be moderately attractive. And she is uh, very, very upset that other people are going to lose weight. Very, very upset at the concept of weight loss. Let's have her explain it. Generally speaking, there's three kind of big buckets of reasons why someone might engage in intentional weight loss. First is desirability, second, health, third, stigma. But at the end of the day, all of those are rooted in fat phobia in different ways, and I'll explain. First, desirability. That is kind of the most obvious when it comes to fat phobia. We currently live in a society that uplifts thinness, able-bodiedness, whiteness, cisness, and heterosexuality as the things that are most desirable. And so if you are wanting to lose weight in order to become more desirable, you are upholding a fat phobic beauty standard, as well as, you know, white supremacy and all that jazz. <laughs> what you're hearing there is somebody who recognizes that no matter what they do, they're going to be ugly inside and out. And she's trying to justify it. 
She's trying to justify why she wasn't asked to any dances in high school and why she hasn't had a date since the Clinton administration. That's what she's working on. But her philosophy is she's it's something that she shares and leftists share on her behalf because they have bought it. Look, all you got to do. If you need to sell, if you're trying to sell cars and you can't sell these junk cars, you're trying to get a lot full of Yugos, somehow go out there and tell people that Yugos fight fat phobia and uh, heterophobia and triskaidekaphobia. As long as you say that it fights white supremacy, some leftists will come along and buy it. But of course, she's only gotten to point one of her three pointless points. Here's point two. So next is health. What we know is that weight is not a good indicator of someone's health, and also your health is not an indicator of your worth. You can have health and body-related goals for yourself that are not about fat phobia and not about weight loss. So let me give you an example. You might decide that you have a goal of hiking a particular mountain in your area. Now you would be engaging in different types of movement in order to achieve that goal. You may or may not lose weight in doing that. And in fact, there's lots of fat mountaineers and hikers. Yeah, yeah there's lots of fat mountaineers and hikers. They litter base camp at the bottom of a mountain. They get to the 15-foot elevation and go, you guys go along without me. Uh, you know what? I think I left the iron on. I got to go back home. Or more than likely, I think I left the toaster oven on. I got to go back home. Yeah. Remember the overweight uh, group of people who scaled Mount Everest, Those famous, that famous group of people? The lies we tell ourselves. She wasn't done. One more set of lies. Third bucket reason is that you might be facing extreme fat phobia and anti-fat bias in your own life and you have personally mentally hit a wall where you can't deal with it anymore and so you decide to intentionally lose weight. That is actually the case with Roxanne Gay, who is very tall. They are like six foot or six one. And prior to their weight loss surgery, they would have been categorized as a super fat. So being a super fat and being that tall comes with a particular type of physical accessibility challenge as well as anti-fatness. And so for that reason, Roxanne Gay elected to have weight loss surgery. But it's really important that if you still go through with intentional weight loss that you don't sacrifice fat liberation politics because otherwise it's still just fat phobia, even if you're doing it for your mental health. Yeah, you don't want to sacrifice fat liberation politics. Look, up in the sky, it's a blimp. It's an eclipse. No, it's super fat. Good Lord. People spend their time thinking about this. This is probably a college professor if I had to guess. <laughs> She's at least working on her second PhD if she hasn't gotten it already. And these are the types of people that will get cheered by leftists across the country. Keep that in mind, that if your goal is to lose weight as a New Year's resolution, you're part of the problem. <laughs> fighting diabetes. Anyway, we're out of time for today. Appreciate you listening. Good to be back. I'll see you again tomorrow.